Yes, Father, you're good. You're a good, good Father. You are our Father, our Father in heaven. We belong to you. Psalm 1968 says, You are good, and you do only good. That's who you are. And you say to us, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. You are Father God. You are with us. You are the God of creation. And yet you live in our heart. I don't understand it, but I know it's true. Thank you that we do not have to fear. In these uncertain days, we don't have to fear because you are with us and you are the almighty God. And all the little mighties must bow down to you. We bow down to you. We humble ourselves before you. We bask in your love, covered by your grace and your mercy. You are a very present help in time of trouble. We can cast all our cares on you because you care about us. That's who you are. You're our Father. We can come into your very presence boldly, confidently, without guilt or shame because of the blood of Jesus that covers us and makes us clean, makes us holy, makes us righteous. That's who you are. That's what you do. You say to us, have no anxiety about anything. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Tell me your request. Let me know what's on your heart. And I promise you that my peace will come to you. It's a peace that you cannot understand. It isn't a peace that the world gives. It only comes from me. And it will guard your heart and your mind 
in Christ Jesus. So just abide in me. Rest in me. I've got you. You're mine. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand, and no one can undo what I have done. That's who I am. You tell us, Father God, to draw near to you, and you will draw near to us. So we draw near to you right now. We stand in your presence. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. You are our fortress where we will not be shaken. You are our rock and our salvation. That's who you are. A church, grab each other's hand and and just minister to one another. This is a holy time. This is a time to be together with one heart, one mind, one spirit. God's spirit dwells in the church. The church is his temple. His dwelling place. Bless one another. Pray for one another. Pray blessing. Pray healing. Pray peace. Be glad. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with His fullness. Rejoice. That's what I hear Him saying right now, church. Rejoice. Rejoice. Be glad. Be happy. Be thrilled. Know that He is the everlasting King. And the everlasting King is coming again. And He will gather us to be with Himself forever. For eternity. Eternity has no end. We can't even conceive of that being locked in time, but we are His forever. So rejoice. And we say, the church says, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you for everything. We pray it all in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Greet one another, church.
take joy, take heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a great night. What a great time to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Well, I have a word for you tonight. So get your Bibles out. So I, again, I, you know, I never can get away from the fact that, um, I mean, the Lord has given His life. And, and not just regular old, we're breathing and our heart's beating. He's given us eternal life. And we're enjoying it now. From this point on, we're going to be with the Lord. And He has everything for us. He's providing everything for us. Remember Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. That's truth. It's the Word of God. It's true. It doesn't change. It's eternal. And so... We belong to Him. We're the sheep of His pasture. He has called us to Himself. We're His. Nothing can change that. No one can snatch us out of His hand. Well, anyway, what I wanted to do tonight is talk to you about healing. And, uh, and I'm, we can title this Healing for the Oppressed. And if you will, turn in your uh, Bible to Acts chapter 10. And verse 38, that's where we're going to start. And if you recall, Acts chapter 10 is the, the story about Cornelius, a Roman centurion, who had a vision, an angel stood before him and, and said, uh, hey, the Lord, has, the Lord God has seen your, um, your godliness and giving to the poor, and uh, there's a man in Joppa at uh, Simon the Tanner's house. Send some men to bring him back because he has a message for you. So he sends a trusted soldier and several servants to Joppa from Caesarea. And at the same time, Simon Peter is on the top of Simon the Tanner's house. It's lunchtime. He's hungry. He's waiting for his meal, and he falls into a trance, and he has a vision, and he sees a sheet coming down out of heaven with a bunch of animals in it, and the Lord says, Peter, take and eat. And he says, no, Lord. Or can you imagine that? Saying, no, Lord. Uh, he said, I only eat what is clean, and the Lord says, what I've made clean is clean. Right? So, so you can take and eat. And he sees that vision three times, and after that, he's sitting there hungry and puzzled. He doesn't understand what that vision is about. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, hey, there's three guys down at the front door. Go down and, and meet them because I want you to go back with them. So don't be afraid. Just uh, go with them uh, to Caesarea. So he does. They go back there. He comes in to this Gentile's house, and, um, and then he understands the vision about the unclean animals being let down in the sheet, that the word of God, the gospel, the good news is for everybody. And so 
Peter begins to explain to Cornelius and his entire household the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to pick up with verse 38. Because if you can imagine now, Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus, who has been with Jesus and uh, has witnessed his death and his resurrection, is telling these Gentiles about the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. And one of the things that he says in verse 38, he tells how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good. We just sang about that doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So here's, here's Jesus. Simon Peter is telling Cornelius and his whole household, Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He had power. He goes around doing good and He's healing all who were oppressed by the devil. The oppression of the devil set up a condition in people that that required healing. The oppression of the devil caused this. It set it up, and they needed to be healed in body, soul, and spirit. Because that's who we are. All together, we are spirit, soul, and body. Sometimes we get our focus on our body, but we are tripartite nature, and so we uh, we can receive healing of our spirit, soul, and body caused by the oppression of the devil. The word for healing in the Greek is eaumai, and it means to cure, heal, and make whole. Cure, heal, and make whole. The word for oppressed is a real long Greek word, and I will attempt to pronounce it, katadunastuo, and it means to exercise harsh control over one, to use one's power against one. So what we have here is the devil oppressing, and he is exercising harsh control over a person, using his power against that person, opposing that person, oppressing that person. And yet Jesus came to do good and to heal all. The Greek word is pos. It means all. No exception. Heal all who were oppressed by the devil. Okay, so go to Luke 4.18. Luke 4.18. You should be really, really familiar with this passage. Jesus is in a synagogue. And um, he's given the book of Isaiah, and he turns to the place in Isaiah and reads this. The Spirit of the Lord 
is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The same thing that Peter told Cornelius in his household, Jesus is saying himself that I have been anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach good news, the gospel, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's why he came. That is why Jesus came. Liberty, the Greek word, is "athesis," and it means to release from bondage or imprisonment. So these people who are oppressed, who are captive, who are brokenhearted, have been are in bondage in or imprisoned and Jesus came to set them free break all the bondage open up the prison doors and let the captives go free oppressed in this case is the greek word throo and it means to break in pieces shatter smite crush and bruise that's what the devil does. It's the oppression of the devil that causes everything to be shattered. And yet, Jesus comes to eaomai us and make us whole. That word to heal the brokenhearted, that, that word heal actually means to bring all the pieces all the scattered pieces, and to bring them back and make them one. That's what he does for us. And he, in verse 21, Jesus says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And church, I want you to know and understand this. Nothing has changed since then. Amen? Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and he's doing it today. Now, this moment, he is setting us free. He is giving Zoe life, abundant life. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came that they might, we might have life and have it more abundantly. That is why he came. Matthew 10. Go to Matthew 10. That's all good news. But what does that have to do with us, the church? Matthew 10. And I'm going to start at verse 1. Jesus is... Uh, this is about Jesus. It says, And when Jesus, when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. 
Do you get that? He gave them power over the unclean spirits, over the spirits, the very ones that cause the oppression and cause sickness and illness and disease and demonization. All of those powers, he gave power over them to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. That's what he did. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, verse 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What did they freely receive? Power. He gave them power over the unclean spirits to cast them out. What you have freely received, freely give. He is called the, the 12 disciples and us to go out commanding them to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. He sent 12 not one, not three, not six. He sent all 12. He sends all of us. John 14, 12, most assuredly, Jesus says, most assuredly, truly, truly, I tell you the truth. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. When Jesus went to the Father, what did he do? He sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Remember Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, Paul is praying. He says, I pray that you may know the immeasurable power that is to usward. It's the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. That power is ours. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Actually, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and therefore, Go. So we're commanded to go, make disciples of all nations, and teach them to observe all that he has commanded them. And lo, I'm with you always. That is the go command that we have, the same command that he gave to them, to the twelve. Go and exercise what I have given to you freely. Go to Ephesians 6, verse 12. Ephesians 6.12, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So who are we wrestling? The unclean spirits, the powers, the principalities, 
the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. That word for wrestle is pale in Greek, and it's actually a noun. And it means this, a contest between two in which each endeavors to throw the other, and which is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. That kind of wrestling is what we are engaged in. We, each one of us individually, is engaged in a wrestling match, a wrestling contest with principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. If you decide not to wrestle, you lose. You will be pinned down by the enemy, by your opponent, with his hand on your neck. So we wrestle to win. We have been given the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors, but we must wrestle. And He has given us all the armor of God for that match. Actually, it's an unequal match. Because we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word, and we have the shield of faith. And we have all the other armor and we can pray in the Spirit at all times for all the saints everywhere, and we can win, but you have to wrestle. You have to fight. Let's look at this a little bit further. 2 Timothy 4.7. The Apostle Paul writing to his, um, his son in the faith, Timothy, of whom he says in uh, Philippians that there, he has nobody else like him, He says in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. So we have to fight. The word fought is agonizomai, and the, the word for fight, the noun, is agon, from which we get the words agonist, agonize, and agony, all from that root word of agon. So to agonizomai means to contend with adversaries with the attendant difficulties and dangers and to endeavor with strenuous zeal. Now that doesn't sound to me like it's a walk in the park. We, get, we can't um, sit down and be knitting daisy chains under the yum-yum tree. We are called to fight the good fight. We are called to finish the race. Like Paul says, I have finished the race. In, the, in verse 6, he says, the time of my departure is at hand. He knew that his life was about to be given up. And he knew, too, that he had finished the race that the Lord had for him. Go to Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, 
We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And we run that race by keeping our eyes fastened on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's how we run the race. So we have to agonizomai, we have to fight We have to endeavor with strenuous zeal. We contend with our adversaries, which are spiritual adversaries. And we have to keep the faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I hope that you have confessed the good confession before many witnesses, that you have eternal life, and you have to fight the good fight of faith. This fight, this contention, this wrestling, not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers and the world rulers of this present darkness is done by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we run this race, we fight this fight, and we do it by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? One last scripture, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. I thought this was going to be a short message message tonight. (laughs) Amen. So Matthew 9... Verses 35 through 38, I'm going to read all of these. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Does that sound familiar? Luke 4, that's why he came. He came to preach the good news and to heal and to set the captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted, and let people into liberty, into freedom. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is all, this passage of Scripture is, it's, it's self-contained. It's all a part of each other in, all, in these verses. Jesus went about doing good and healing those who were oppressed by the devil That's what he was doing. And then he saw all of these multitudes all around him who were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them, people. Church, they're all around us. They are everywhere. Wherever you cast an eye, you will see the weary and the scattered and those that have no shepherd. And we are called into His harvest. 
The word for laborers is ergates, and it means um, to labor, to, to go into the field and actually gather the harvest, but it takes work to do it. It's the same word if we go back to Matthew 10 where Jesus sends out the 12, and he says, don't take any money with you because, in verse 10, a worker is worthy of his food. That word, worker, is the same worker in this, in Matthew 9, where he's saying, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, workers, ergates. And so, so we have received power over the enemy, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, and we are to go and preach the good news and to heal the sick in his name. So here's my question to you tonight. With all of these people all around us, we have a nation full of them, how, how are you going to labor? Where are you going to labor? What is it going to look like? How are you going to use your Holy Spirit gift in that work, that labor. First uh, Peter 4.10 says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I know Christians who don't even know their gift. I know some that know it, but like that one servant that was given a talent, they've gone and buried it in the ground and aren't using it. We're told to take that gift and minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So where's your gift? How are you using it? Where are you going to minister it? How are we going to, as a church, go out and, uh, and obey Christ's command to preach the good news and to heal all of those who are oppressed by the devil? So here's my exhortation tonight. And I'm preaching this to you because I've already preached it to myself this message the Lord wrought in me to begin with. And so go into your prayer closet and meet with the Father. Father God, the one that we can cry out and call Abba. That Father, go and meet with Him. Just like Jesus did when Jesus went to be alone with the Father all night long. He and the Father, and He was... He was listening to the Father. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to say. And Jesus only did what the Father said to do. That's the same way that we work. We go and we meet with the Father and we ask Him, what do you want me to do? Matthew 7, 7 says what? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It's a promise. 
He delivers on every one of His promises. Do you want to know Him? Seek Him. Ask Him. He will answer and He will show you great and mighty things that you knew not. That's His promise. So, along with me, I I hope that you will be able to say like the Apostle Paul did, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Amen? Here's what I believe, that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, and He is, He, we From that time, everything that I've spoken about tonight, from that very time, unfortunately, the church has become watered down and apathetic and and thinks that all of this stuff was for the first century church. It is for today because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same calling. It is the same job. It is the same commandment. Nothing has changed. And so we are filled with the Spirit. We are continually filled with the Spirit. We can walk in the Spirit, and we can go out in obedience to the Spirit, and we will see signs and wonders and miracles. We will see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and have this transformation where they go from darkness to light. They go from death to life. And it it is a miracle and we will see that. We will see people healed in their body. We will see them healed in their mind. We will see them certainly healed in their spirit when the Holy Spirit of God comes and is, is in, in residence there. Amen? Okay. So, um, stand up. Join me here, and we're going to pray. We're going to seal the deal. We're going to just let the Holy Spirit come right now and minister to each one of us. So, Father God, I thank you for this word tonight. I thank you that you are holy, that you are true, that you are faithful. And I thank you that you have called us to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. Jesus, you yourself said, hey, I tell you the truth. If you believe me, then you will do the same works I did, and greater works shall you do, because I went to be with the Father. I have sent the Holy Spirit. He lives in you, and you are my body. You are the church. So we lift our hearts up to you now, Father God. We are your church. We belong to you. We are living stones. We are a holy people, a royal priesthood. We are your special treasure. And we want to walk in obedience to you. We have laid up your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. We want to walk in the light even as you are in the light so we can have fellowship with you and with one another. That is our heart's desire. We delight in you. We meditate on your word. 
We feast on your word. Your word is our manna. And so now I ask, Father God, that you will seal this with the guarantee of your Holy Spirit. You put the stamp of perfection on us that we may grow up in maturity, we may walk in power, and we can let our eyes observe what You are going to do. Thank You, Father, for Your goodness. Thank You for Your mercy. And thank You that You're going to do it. Because You're a miracle-working God. Praise You, Father. We worship You. We honor You. We glorify You. We want everything to redound to Your glory. And we look forward to Your appearing with great expectation. Thank You, Father. Fall on us. Thank You, Father. Praise You, Father. Praise You, Father. We worship You. We thank You. And we pray everything in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus said, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Amen and amen. Be blessed, church.